0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hello, good Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. This is, of course, Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And we have a lot to cover, not just today, but over what is now uh, five weeks. Basically, five weeks and a day until the start of the NBA season. Which means between now and then, and really even before then, we got to get everybody fully ready for their fantasy drafts. We, We really have less than five weeks. I would say that that Friday before the season starts, which... Uh, What the hell day is that? Is that the 15th of October? Yeah, Friday the 15th is really kind of our cutoff. Most of you guys have your drafts that weekend. Scant select few of you might have them on Monday right before the season starts. But we really have less than five weeks to get all of our junk together. I want to thank Aaron Bruski for his appearance on our Friday show. We'll be talking to him on a lot of Friday episodes here going forward, so very happy to bring that into view. We will also have our expert mock draft and results and breakdowns therein. That's all coming up over the next four weeks. But today, we dive into Yahoo pre-ranks, and after that, we'll compare those to Yahoo's ADP numbers because right now, I think it's important to know that they are not the same thing, and they do tend to move a little farther from one another in certain spots and then closer in others. It's a very weird phenomenon with Yahoo pre-ranks at ADP and how they actually influence the fantasy drafters. Because right now, the people having fantasy drafts are generally kind of crazy people. Which, I'm thinking, if you took the entire fantasy public and compared them to like us, me, you guys listening, probably a higher percentage of you guys... We, together, Fantasy NBA Today community, drafting before October than if you compared it to the the whole fantasy public at large. I think it's probably a larger just because we're more diehards. We are a larger percentage of them. So right now, you're getting an ADP where diehards have sort of brought their own data to the table. As time elapses, you're going to see two things. You're going to see Yahoo's pre-ranks influencing adp on particular players where the early drafters differed quite a bit from where the big box sites had them and you're also going to see other players move farther from yahoo adp where early drafters maybe didn't have strong convictions on particular guys they sort of fell in with the pre-ranks and then you know maybe a b150 comes out something like that in 16 days and moves the adp on particular players or World's numbers or Uh, Basketball monsters numbers, or whatever it might come out. So, I, I think it's really important for us to not only look at ADP now or later this week, whatever it happens to be, but also to keep tabs on where it's headed. I have a bunch of things I want to promo on today's show. I'm going to do them towards the middle of the podcast. Some of you have mentioned how our host provider inserts advertisements towards the front end of the show. So what I'd like to do is limit my own stuff here at the front end. That way their ad drops in, and then my promo stuff comes a little bit later in the middle of the program. Very excited, however, to announce that Manscaped will be back with us starting in October. They took about a two, three-month break here during our uh, Diehards-only off-season, but they'll be back with us with new products. That'll be fun. I'll tell you all about that next month. I want to tell you guys more about my bookie, recruiting at HoopBall, all of this stuff is on the docket for the middle of the podcast. But for right now, the only thing I want to mention to you guys, please do drop me a follow on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. My Twitter handle is the first result now. I don't know what happened, what changed, that that became the most popular thing, but that's where that's at. I am very much in it right now. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter. If you don't follow me, please do. I have made a, a pact to be more accessible again this year. After the last one, two seasons kind of got hard for me to keep up with stuff, I'm going to try really, really hard this year to stay on top of questions. Some of the things I might point you guys to other pros at Hoopon might point you to our premium stuff, but I'm really going to do my best, and I'm also going to get more tweet storming going on this year, so please do follow me over there. Let's dive straight on into the Yahoo pre-ranks. That's, again, where we're looking here. I'm not going to mess up my terminology because I know they're not exactly the same thing. They do have a lot of parallels, but they are not the same. Pre-ranks, meaning Yahoo's projections for where the players end up this season. We will start at the very top, and we will break things down as we work our way through. I want to offer this disclaimer before we dive in, though. Yahoo's projections are built on a somewhat specific engine where the ranks of those players don't always square up in your league format. That is to say, the system does do some calculations on its own because they have projections they put in for, well, any stat they offer, actually, on the website. But, for instance, like, I'm in an 11-category league. It's insane, but I'm in it. It's with old friends. That's kind of the home league, if you want to call it that. I've talked about it on this show before. That 11-category league has field goals made and free throws made as the two additional categories. That said, the pre-ranks for Yahoo are the same as in my standard 9-cat league. It does not adjust for those numbers on the fly. So it's very important to understand, this is the disclaimer, Yahoo's pre-ranks are built not on a typical nine-category standard engine. It's kind of crummy, actually, and it's a little bit, it's a little unfortunate for a couple of reasons. One, I'm sure if Yahoo had the tools to, to do it, they would. It's just too much, because they offer so many different uh, setups that, you know, you kind of have to go to a player rank page outside of Yahoo. Like, Basketball Monster actually has a really good one. Uh, I know Hoopball is going to have one probably by mid-season or at very latest next year, and I'll be pumping the crap out of that one once we get it. But for now, Basketball Monster's player page, you can actually change which categories are turned on and off, and it will move the players around on the rank board for you. This is a really important tool, by the way. If you guys aren't using that and you're in anything other than a standard league, you're going to get bludgeoned by someone who is. Suffice it to say, the value of, say, Giannis Antetokounmpo is not at all the same in an 11-category league as it is in a 9-category league. For instance, Yahoo projects Giannis to go 485 for 712 at the free-throw line. Joel Embiid, 562 for 670. Damian Lillard, 527 out of 587. These are guys that in an 11-category league, they should get an artificial bump because of the free throws made category, where, say, a guy like Steph Curry, who Yahoo has pre-ranked at 6 and only projected to make 354 free throws, he should then artificially be moved down the board... In a way that isn't reflected, because like I said, these guys are in the same damn slot no matter which league format you're looking at the player pre-rank board. Their pre-ranks are their pre-ranks, and what sucks about it is that they almost shouldn't have to put a number on these guys. It's really difficult. They should just give you their projections, and you should be able to plug those into some kind of engine to actually find out in your specific league What do they actually think is going on? So our analysis of this is actually also kind of unfair. We absolutely positively have to do it because Yahoo's pre-ranks influence the ADPs of players. Yahoo's pre-ranks influence the order of guys that get drafted in your specific Yahoo league or whatever it is. If you have an ESPN league, their ranks will influence so on and so forth. I'm just doing Yahoo because I think they're the biggest, I believe, I believe. market share on fantasy so we have to break it down because it's really important data this pre-rank board but it's not really a pre-rank for your league it's a pre-rank of a hybrid setup of all types of leagues with, of course, the largest impact being the most popular types of leagues. So standard 9-cat, standard 8-cat are going to be your two big boppers, and then points league is going to be like kind of a third bopper in that respect. But what we've talked about before, what this means is that turnovers are going to be counted less in Yahoo's projections, and the percentages categories are going to be counted less in Yahoo's projections, because, again, these pre- these pre-ranks are built to accommodate 9-cat, 8-cat, and points leagues players all at the same time. Think about how hard that is. It's actually not hard. It's impossible. You can't do it. Giannis and Luka Doncic don't belong anywhere near Nikola Jokic in a 9-category league, but in a points league, they're not that far away. So it's a little bit annoying... And at the same time, it's actually incredibly important that we realize this. If you punted both field goal percent and free throw percent last year, Jokic is still number one. But he's basically in a dead heat with, like, Freddie Van Vliet. Steph actually is still up there pretty high. Vooch gets an odd bump in this one. His percentages weren't as great last year. Mostly field goal percent was a little lower. Giannis, huge bump. Russell Westbrook is number 11 if you were punting both percentages last year. You're basically talking about a points league at that point, where Nikola Jokic is no longer the runaway number one player in basketball. Sadly, Luka Doncic is still a second-round pick. If you also punted turnovers, which I know isn't really the points league thing, most of the time you do lose a point for a turnover, but think about it from this perspective. If you're getting like two points per assist and you're getting a point point. For every point you score, do you really care that much whether the guy on your team has four and a half turnovers versus three? That's nothing. It's not even a bucket. So a points league is basically like punting both percentages and turnovers. Now, all of a sudden, your top five is Harden, Westbrook, Curry, Jokic, Giannis, and Luka's number six. Which is why... When you look now at the Yahoo pre-ranks board and you see Giannis as number two and Luca as number three, you have to remember this isn't a nine-category pre-rank list. This is a nine-eight-and-point pre-rank list rolled together to be as close as humanly possible in all three types of leagues. Think about how completely and utterly insane it is that that list that I just described, a list that makes no sense at all, full nonsense is maybe the largest single impact player in how your league drafts its players. That's nuts. I actually think it's possible that this, that the Yahoo pre-ranked board might be built on an eight category result. And then everything else sort of falls into place around it. But like, I mean, the fact that that Luca's number three After he was in the 30s last year in a nine-category league, at least Giannis was a second-rounder if you're not punting all of this stuff. Like, at least he was in the ballpark. He was number 17, uh, 68.5% at the free throw line. If that number comes up, he's just running away with early first-round pick. I just don't think any of us can really believe that that number's coming back because he has defensive stats, 2.4 of them. Luka, not a ton on the defensive side. You know, neither percentage is a positive for Luke. At least with Giannis, he's one of the best field goal percent guys in the NBA. I get it. I get how Giannis makes it into that top five every year because he's one category away from going from number 17 to basically going number one. Luca's like three categories away <laughs> from, from making that leap. It's, it's not all that close. But anyway, that's really more player-by-player analysis. We're going to do that here in just a second. The reason I wanted to start with this disclaimer on the Yahoo pre-rank board, and really almost any big box site pre-rank board, is that you guys should know they're not breaking it out into formats. If they had a 9-cap pre-rank board and an 8-cap pre-rank board, I can basically guarantee you that they would be doing a lot better when we do our end-of-season how-did-Yahoo-do-analysis to try to convince you guys even more so, not that I don't necessarily need it, to just veer off course. I will say this. In the early rounds, we shouldn't pay that close attention to turnovers. Some of the best players are going to be high turnover guys because they've got the ball in their hand. Yes, even in nine category formats. Because you can make up for that joint later. You can get a Clint Capella in the third round or something like that, or fourth round, or Rudy Gobert, or somebody who's averaging under two turnovers a game. It's pretty easy to balance that out. But the percentages... Those matter, and so to look at a guy like a Giannis, who's effectively a punt free throw dude, as a you know top three pick, or Luca, who's not necessarily a full punt on anything, but just bad in both percentages, or not good in field goal percentage, gone bad, but bad in free throw percent for a guard in particular and a high volume one, you have to consider those. Even if you throw out the four plus turnovers per game for Luca or the three and a half for Giannis, you have to pay attention to the percentages categories you just have to certainly if you're going to listen to this podcast and anything i say on it you definitely have to that disclaimer now logged into the books let's actually start to look at some of the players and figure out not only how they got to where they are but what it means for us as we break this down from more of a nine cat perspective and i'll try to give advice as we work through these names on both the head-to-head and the roto side, because there is kind of that a dichotomy that didn't fully exist even three or four years ago. The, the pre-Kawhi and post-Kawhi NBA has dramatically changed how we play in fantasy sports, because four or five years ago, you could basically make the same list for roto and head-to-head and just make slight tweaks depending on whether or not you wanted to power boost particular categories. Now, with head-to-head leagues... Now, forever you've had to think about head-to-head playoffs. That's always been the one big difference between the two. Now you really have to look at total games played because so few players in the NBA rack up the full complement of games played every year that those guys now see a massive, massive advantage in head-to-head leagues where zeros clunk you. And in the past, we were always kind of like, oh, you know, everybody's going to get about the same number of zeros every year. It's always going to be like, oh, you know, the league's going to miss seven-ish, eight games a year. And if somebody plays, you know, 78 games, great. They got an extra two or three games over the league average player. That's good, but, you know, it's not a game breaker. Now it's, okay, who's going to clear 71 games this season? So in head-to-head, if you can find an early guy who's going to play 77 or 78 games, that's effectively two extra weeks of basketball you got out of a critical player on your fantasy team. And we've talked uh, at great length on this pod about where that cutoff is. And Roto, durability is really important in the first few rounds. And head-to-head, I think that durability is important for at least four, five, six rounds. And then as you work into the games cap side on the Roto, dude, you, you know, you take more the roto uh, side of the equation, you take more chances because you can fill up those zeros. And in head-to-head, once you get later on, you know, who cares about a durable top 115 kind of guy in a 12-team league? You want to take some shots somewhere along the line. But I'll tell you what, if you have four or five guys at the front of your draft in head-to-head that have that 10th category we talk about, the durability category, you're going to get off to a damn good start. I'll tell you that. And then you just work around the edges. You bulk up the categories where you need help, and, uh, and then you're good in the playoffs. After that, roto that that doesn't always work. You now, having a top 65 super durable guy as your fifth round pick probably isn't actually as good as as shooting the moon, trying to get the top 35 guy who misses a bunch of ball games because you fill it in as we've talked about before with a host of Dante Divincenzo's, the top 115 waiver wire pickups that fill in your missed games in a roto games cap format. Okay, enough of the 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 prelude, which I know it's still fantasy stuff and it's still relevant. You guys still do want to hear player names. I know that's kind of the the fantasy crack cocaine at this part of the year. I just I get kind of caught up in the theory side of things, and I really want to make sure you guys understand why things are the way they are, how how we get to this point. How do we get to this point where Every year, everybody's like, oh, well, the Yahoo list is crap this season. Of course it's crap. It's not built for your league. No matter what league you're in, that list is not for your league. That sucks for Yahoo. Not that I feel bad for them. You know, they're, they're running the program, and it doesn't really matter how good their list is. In fact, we like it when it sucks because we can exploit that. But it does kind of suck for whoever's over there like, I guess we got to put a two next to Giannis because people are drafting him real damn high in points in eight category formats, and we can't put him lower, because you know two of our three biggest formats, that's where he belongs, but the other one he doesn't. By the way, this works in both favors, by the way. Uh, it just happens to work more so in our favor in nine cap, because we have an extra category that they're not thinking about. Nikola Jokic. Number one, clear number one. I paused a long time before saying his name because I wondered, do we really even need to talk about it? He's number one because he's number one no matter what format you're playing in. There is fear that he doesn't try to play in all 82 games this season, and that's all well and good, except they're without Jamal Murray for basically the entire season, which means Jokic you know, is just going to have to carry them when he's on the court, and that means he's going to be a top three fantasy player, almost at worst. And when you have the number one pick, your only real goal is to get someone who is going to be very, very good and durable. You don't take chances up at the top. So you take Jokic, you hope for another very good season. I know Steph actually outplayed him the second half of this last year, so maybe you could say, well, should I think about, yeah, you could, but nah, you shouldn't. You take Jokic, don't screw it up. This is one where even if he doesn't come in first, he'll be very, very good, and you can't pick on any website for having him in that top slot because it just makes sense. Now we start to get a little fun after the first pick. Who cares about the first pick? Giannis Antetokounmpo is number 2 on the Yahoo pre-rank board. They have him projected to I'd like to do projections by averages, but I don't actually think that they have those available. They have the uh projections by totals. They have him projected to play in 74 out of 82 ball games this year, which I actually think might even be a hair on the high side. So in top of everything else that I Think puts him at this very wrong pre-rank position. I think they're wrong on the game's played handicap with him. But suffice it to say, if you're in a Yahoo League and someone takes Giannis in the top two, you should be clapping because that means everybody else that you like more is falling to you a little bit faster. They've got him, they've got Giannis, by the way, set to make a little over a three-pointer per ball game. They didn't change his numbers really season over season all that much. Uh last year you averaged 28, 11 and six with 2.4 combined defensive stats um this year again they don't have it rolled out by averages so maybe you guys should be looking at totals in any event uh yeah they didn't change his numbers all that much free throw percent actually uh even a tiny bit lower blocks higher uh by a little bit steals lower by a little i mean everything else is about the same so it does beg the question how the hell does he go from mid-second round to one of the top two picks in the league and the answer is because some people are ignoring turnovers, free throw percent. And, I mean, I know field goal percent is a good one, but ignoring all three of those things. That's how. Same story for Luca, right behind him. Although, as we just mentioned, even if you're ignoring all three of those categories, he still didn't make it into the top three. He was number six last year. The assumption being, what, his free throw percent does get a little bit better this season? Maybe. Yeah, I suppose that's a possibility. They've got him slated to pay 75 ball games. Uh no, I mean my my short analysis is no. He belongs as a uh, at least in nine category leagues, which is what you're talking about here. Uh, same with Giannis as a second round guy. I think he's better than last year. Luca's going to be better than his thirty something ranked last season. But I I don't without the free throw percent making a dramatic jump, which it could anything's possible. He doesn't get into the first round without a massive free throw percent jump. Kevin Durant is our first kind of uh debatable player here. They've got him pre-ranked at four and slated to play 69 out of 82 ball games, which to me feels like a best case scenario for KD, because they're almost definitely gonna give him 10 games of rest. So then you're talking about just three additional missed ball games over an entire season? I find that hard to stomach. I find that hard to stomach. Still, his fantasy game is robust. Last year he averaged 27, 7, and 5.5. And Point seven steals, one point three blocks, fifty four percent from the field, eighty eight percent at the free throw line. Uh, they have his field goal percent actually dipping slightly this year. And th- the thing with KD is that he really is a top five per game fantasy talent. I just, if you have a top five pick, I don't know how you can in good conscience spend it on someone who, where best case scenario is them missing thirteen ball games. You can't do it. Even when Kawhi was up in this area, you were. You're drafting based on a, a best case, and I don't like it. A couple names behind KD here. James Harden is pre-ranked at 5. Pretty reasonable spot for him. He was number 7 on a per-game basis this last year. His numbers probably take an ever-so-slight hit, uh, but I do think the durability maybe comes back a hair now that he can get himself into shape. They've got him slated to play 74 of 82 ball games, and that's probably about right. So, yeah, I'm okay with number 5 on Harden. Curry at 6. I'm okay with that as well. He was number one second half of last year, and he could very well be number one the first half of this season with Klay Thompson still out, Kelly Oubre gone. So the Warriors actually kind of lost guys that were willing to take shots. He's going to have a whole lot on his shoulders, and I like the Warriors this season. They're going to be playing to win. They don't want to get stuck in that play-in game. I don't know that in your 9 category league Steph is making it to number 6 because I think at least one person in your league is not going to be foolish enough to take Luca at 4 in a 9 cat anything format. Like if Luca was playing consistently 82 ball games a year, then you have that some argument there. There's just nothing that yells this guy needs to go in front of these 3 4 dudes behind him. Dame at number seven. That's a great spot for Dame. He's been there or better pretty much all the time. He's just, he's extremely durable. His team needs him to do everything for them. And you can set your watch to his fantasy game. So cool. Joel Embiid at number eight. He was number 16 uh, by totals last year, I believe, right? Yeah, number six by averages, missed a ton of basketball games, though. And that's always going to come back and bite you. He was so good that he managed to get near the early part of the second round by totals, <sighs> but, I mean, again, you're, this is like Kevin Durant. I don't know how you spend an early first-round pick or even a mid-first-round pick. They've got Embiid slated to play 64 out of 82 ball games and still have him in the eight slot. I mean, that's only a few more than he played this year, and, yeah, I mean, I guess if he plays three more games this last season, he probably does get up to about 11. But, again, you need him to play more He can't miss 18 games and be inside the top eight. The guy who managed to do it this year was Kyrie Irving, oddly enough, but he was number three by averages and had a pretty good jump over Joel Embiid and Kyrie got to number six. So that's basically what you need out of Embiid. If he's going to miss 18 ballgames this year, he needs to be top three on a per-game basis. That means right from the outset, it's got to just be full domination. I cannot, I cannot advise that pick. If Embiid falls to the turn in a roto league, absolutely, but probably won't. And in head-to-head, I don't think you can take him in any format. He's the riskiest player you can take, I think, in in the top 15 at least. Maybe more. Cat at number nine. That's a, that's a value play right there. Interesting. I mean, I, I know he dropped off a little bit. I expect his blocks to come back a tad. They've only got him slated to play 73 out of 82 games. I think he does better than that this year. There's a big prove-it thing going on in, uh, in Minnesota. Jason Tatum at number 10. He's probably your safest mid-to-late first-round pick. They've got him slated to play 78 ball games this year. I, I like... He took a lot of heat. I don't, I don't know why he took so much heat last year. I know the Fantasy NBA Today contingent is going to be on the Jason Tatum bandwagon this season. I don't know about the rest of the fantasy community, but the fact that he's falling back near the turn again tells me that people saw last year and thought it was bad. He was number eight despite missing eight ballgames. Probably misses less than that this year. Again, they've got him missing four and at number 10. None of this makes any sense. Again, until you remember, this list is actually not for you. (laughs) <laughs> it's not for your league. Anthony Davis is number 11. This is a... this is a To me, actually, this is more of a statistical gamble than a health gamble. I know that sounds weird. The Lakers have built their team to have Anthony Davis at the four all season long. They have both DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard to deal with the center minutes. Those guys will take most of them over the course of the season. Anthony Davis will have to play some five against the smaller teams. In the bigger, in the marquee matchups where the Lakers can't just sort of sleepwalk through it and expect to win on talent alone. But overall, last year, eight rebounds a game, that I very repeatably low number for him. The 1.6 blocks, I hope that does come back for AD. But more than anything, I really hope his six free throws a game are not at low 70s anymore. He needs to get back up to 80 in that department, and that'll thrust him back to at least the turn on a per game basis. If the blocks come back at all, then he's back to being a mid first round pick. He is, by the way, the uh, Yahoo's engine has him set to play 68 ball games this year, which I think is actually a fairly reasonable number for him. If he's on the turn, I think you almost have to take him because he does have the ability to go mid-first round. And by the time you get to this juncture, yeah, you're, you're trying to make sure the bottom doesn't fall out, but your other options here are probably like a Bradley Beal, maybe Vooch, that's too early for me on Vooch, paul george if you wanted to reach down the board kyrie is a possibility there butler bam out of bio and you may end up pairing some of them. like you might want to get jimmy butler on your team he had a great season last year you might want to get paul george with no Kawhi. you may have two you may be able to get two of the guys that you like in that zone again ad going at 11 means two guys are going to go in between anthony davis and your next pick And then you just kind of have to hope that it's not the two you were targeting. But this is all part of that game theory. This is where end of the first round, beginning of the second round, this is where the buckets are actually slightly relevant. First two rounds, overall, they're they're not usually. And LeBron, number 12. I don't actually care what format you're in. This doesn't make any sense to me. He was not good last year. And he's going to do less this season. LeBron James was number 34. Yeah, turnovers and free throws, that played a really big part in it. You could make the same kind of Giannis-like arguments as to what didn't really work for him, but take what he did last year, and I would say shrink it. Even if the free throws and turnovers are not your thing, he's going to take fewer shots, he's going to get fewer assists, uh, points are going to... Like, everything's coming down with Russ in town. That, That was a move made so that LeBron James could save his ammo for the postseason. Pretty much. This is a, hey... You're a maniac. Go take some of the... Go shoulder this load, and you know Russ will run through a brick wall for any of these guys. Much as I have at times clowned on Westbrook's fantasy game, he is one of the top five hardest competitors in the NBA, even if he's doing kind of silly stuff some of the time. I got no no real explanation for this one. Trey Young is at number 13. He'll be generally overdrafted in... Uh, most formats, again, make the argument eight category. Yeah, turnovers go away. Points leagues, the bad field goal percent goes away. But this is too early for him in nine cat. This is a, a wonderful situation for those of us who are not interested in Trey Young, where he'll get picked somewhere in this neck of the woods or a few picks later. He's not going to fall very far because people love Trey Young. But I must remind you all, he was number 58 by averages in nine category leagues last year. He's down there with Braun. Vooch at number 14. uh, I mean, he'll take a pretty good-sized step back this year. There's no question about that. Vooch was number 11 when he was basically the lone ranger in Orlando and then briefly in Chicago when Levine, Zach Levine, had COVID. But now it's Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vooch. And everything's just going to come down a little bit. 20 shots a game will be more like 17 and a half. And all of that does have an impact. Fewer assists, fewer points. Less three pointers, positive impact of his free throw percent comes down a little bit. Do the turnovers come down? Yeah, it's possible. Do the minutes come down? I don't think so. Do the rebounds change very much? Eh, probably not. He's still going to be doing a lot of that. So it's not going to be like it's a bad thing, but this is a guy now that you're probably looking at more like mid to late second round in probably a best case scenario on a per game basis. Mid to late second round. And then. Uh, I do think he'll play a lot of ball games, so there's there's a good chance he plays 76, 77, 78 games this year, and that'll help him by totals. Um, so there's a safeness to it, but just based on this particular list, if you're at pick number 14, I'm still seeing three or four guys on the board that I would far prefer to have over uh, Nikola Vucevic, and I like Vuch in general, just, you know, not this much. Zach Levine at number 15, that's crazy high. For nine category leagues he was 25 last year in what i think we could argue was the optimum zach levine 51 percent from the field 85 at the free throw line on almost 20 shots a game yeah nah it's coming down man it's coming down this is not even close to where levine should be going in a nine category league and frankly there's no good explanation for this because his turnovers were not that horrible last year three and a half is bad But you can swallow it. And he had good percentages in both. If you wanted to call this an 8-cat rank exclusively for Levine, I get it. But now you're kind of ignoring 9-cat and points leagues for this one. That makes no sense to me. Bradley Beal at number 16. Hell yeah. What the hell is he doing down there? Has everybody forgotten what Beal did when uh, he had no prominent teammate? Do we need to play the what did Beal do when John Wall wasn't around game? Dude took 23 shots a game and was number 11 on a per-game basis. Um, Number 14 the previous year on 20 shots per game. And that was on the low side. This is a guy who has upside. He's He's durable when he wants to be. And I think Washington wants to convince themselves they're going to compete this year. So that's one of the names I'd rather have over Vooch. Zion Williamson at number 17. One of our first shimmering examples of how little anybody cares about free throw percent. There is no reasonable reason why Zion should be going in the second round. He had, I thought, a really good season last year, and he was number 68 by totals. The best single field goal percent guy in the NBA. Also one of the worst free throw guys in the NBA. Very polarizing set of percentages on that cat. I don't know what we all think is going to change here. Are the steals and blocks about to magically shoot through the roof? It's a possibility, I guess. But to go from 68 to the middle of the second round, that takes a lot. Russell Westbrook at number 18. What? No. I'm just going to say no and move on. Kyrie Irving at number 19. I know everybody hates the fact that Kyrie Irving just magically misses ball games, but dude was number three on a per-game basis. Missed almost 20 games and still was a first-round pick. Will his role shrink this year? It sure will, but guess what? Guess what? Kyrie Irving shot 51% from the field and 92% at the free-throw line. So even if his role goes down, those things will remain good. And you're talking about, I don't know, a small decrease from number three or even a medium decrease from number three still keeps you in the first round on a per-game basis. Uh, I like Kyrie in the second round, particularly if you're in a roto games cap league, because those missed games and head-to-head are gonna drive you insane. That's where, like this type of roll of the dice is, or even Anthony Davis going a little earlier in a head-to-head league. I don't know that I can get behind it quite as as strongly, uh, but roto games cap, you can get Kyrie around 20, and a guy that might go top five per game, top seven per game. Anthony Davis, you get him at 12, 13. He could go top five per game. It's hard to pass up, even with the missed game's risk. Paul George, number 20. Paul George let me down last year. I thought he was going to have a better season. thought he had something to prove after that funky bubble performance. And he got off to a really good start, but the length of the season just kind of wore on him. And that might happen again this year with no Kawhi Leonard. He's going to be having to do—he's going to have to do a ton. He's probably going to take 19, 20 shots a ball game. And that type of usage means good things for PG. So uh, to me, there's a a worst case scenario for Paul George is like top 14 per game performance. I think he could go better than that. I remain concerned about his ability to play in every ball game going through the year. But again, late second round, you kind of have to. Kawhi Leonard is currently uh, pre-ranked 21. So he'll come off the board at some point soon and then that'll all readjust itself. Julius Randle at 22 This one only makes sense if you think Julius is going to play in all 82 ballgames this year, which I don't. He had a wonderful season. There's no denying that. He played in 71 out of 72 Knicks games at number 39 on a per-game basis, and then by totals, that got him all the way to number 16. But guess what? The Knicks brought in uh, everybody. They brought in Evan Fournier. They re-signed Derrick Rose. They brought in Kemba Walker specifically so that Julius Randle wouldn't have to take that many shots every ballgame. You don't need to take 19 shots a game anymore. And with it goes the fantasy value. So bid farewell to that. Bam Adebayo at number 23. That dude might play all 82 games this year. Um, I don't. I have no idea what the hell he's doing at that marker. He was number 12 by totals last season. 64 games. So yeah, he was a little bit better than league average on total games played. But he was number 19 per game. Is this... The expectation that Kyle Lowry is going to sink him? I don't know what's going on. Everybody hates the heat right now because Jimmy Butler's at 24. That's a fat miss for Yahoo as well. They've got him playing 69 games, which, I mean, just the math on this is so out of left field. But guess what? Jimmy Butler's great at both percentages, which means, yep, you guessed it, points leaguers don't like him as much. 8-cap players don't like him as much because his turnovers weren't bad last year. It didn't really change his projections. But still, this doesn't make any sense. Dude was number 5 on a per-game basis, even if you scale him back. He missed 20 games and was number 10 last year. I don't think he's missing 20 games again. 12? 13? 14? 11? Something in that neck of the woods? That's an easy win. And the last name we're going to talk about on today's show, because we have that long prelude, is Lonzo Ball... Excuse me, LaMelo Ball is number 25 on the Yahoo board coming into the season. There's just no way there's any value left at that point, which is a damn shame because and and we've been down this road before on this podcast, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But before I tell you about LaMelo Ball, because I do have pretty strong feelings about how this whole thing is going to shake out, I completely forgot to give you a couple of the pieces of promo on today's show. And there's a few. So please do listen in tight here. This is important stuff. Promo number one, I need your help. Said it before, said it again. I need your help. Please, please drop a five star review on the podcast and hit that subscribe button. This is such a critical time of year for us here on Fantasy NBA Today, where every single time someone subscribes or leaves a nice review, we move up in the Apple podcast algorithms just a little itty bitty bit. Every time, just a little tiny bit. And so I really do need your help on this. Please, if you're listening for the first time, subscribe. If you've been listening for years but haven't left a review, please do so today. And if you left a review four years ago, steal somebody's phone and leave one on theirs. I need you guys because September, October in particular, even the beginning of November, this is when new listeners are hunting for shows. And I need your help making sure that our stuff stays on that first page of results. Because we do get there this time of year but only with your help. So please, 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 I need your help with that. Uh, On the um, things that I don't need you to do for me front, we do have a couple of promos. Number one, we're recruiting at Hoop Ball now. Fire up the engines again as we head towards the start of the season. Want to start a podcast? Let me know. Yeah, basketball, football, baseball, whatever. Something non-sports related, whatever. Let me know hoopball is looking to expand our podcast offerings or if you have an existing podcast and you'd like to get under the hoopball umbrella you can holler at me with that as well find me on twitter at dan bespris again you can just google search dan from hoopball and shoot me a line hey dan interested in talking about podcasting want to learn how to write for fantasy we've got openings at the very (laughs) entriest level on the written side dfs dfsers we haven't talked about you guys in a while we've got openings over there uh our gaming division our betting division is always looking to expand this is recruiting time at the who between now really and november so shoot us a line oh the sales side almost forgot to let you know we're we're always recruiting on the sales side as well so let me know we'd love to hear from you guys i'll be putting this out there probably daily or at least semi-daily between now and uh when the season gets going and finally Last promo, we do officially now know the Brewski 150 will be out on September the 29th in the HoopBall 360 package. You can get any of HoopBall's premium stuffs at hoop-ball.com and click on the premium tab. Lamello Ball, before we go. Lamello Ball, before we go. um, I really like Lamello Ball, and I mentioned it a few times last season because I know you guys... You've listened to this pod enough to know that I'm generally anti-young player, anti-rookie, and Lamella was a rookie this last year, and there was no way I was going to draft him. And that would have been a miss had he stayed healthy for the entire season. would have been a miss because he was coasting along at top 50 once he got that starting job. My issue with Lamella Ball is twofold. Number one, there's the question mark of does his free throw percent improve or field goal percent, really both when you cut it down to the nubs. Last year, shot forty-three point seven percent from the field, seventy-eight point or excuse me, seventy-five point eight at the foul. Yahoo has him projected to go up to forty-five point seven from the field and seventy-seven point eight at the free throw line. So gaining about two percentage points in both of them, that would be cool. But even if you added that to his top fifty valuation, the second half of last year, basically since he got inserted in the starting lineup outside of the injury stuff, you're still not quite talking about a top twenty-five guy. We needed him to get into the 15, 16 shots range, seven and a half, eight assists, the threes, the rebounds, the steals, all that stuff was already kind of where it needed to be. Turnovers probably go up as well. Okay, so argument number one is it's going to be hard for him to get to top 25 based on the fact that both of his percentages are still pretty large potential suffering points. My bigger issue, because I could make the argument, hey, maybe this is a guy like Lonzo who suddenly jumps like 10% at the free throw line, Uh, field goal percent, yeah, probably does inch up a little bit as he figures out the NBA game. So, okay, good. Let's make the argument that the percentages actually get a lot better. The problem then is that kind of puts him right around the top 25. So where is our remaining value here on a guy who's unbelievably exciting? We would all would love to have him on our fantasy teams because... He's going to be a superstar in the NBA for probably a very long time. How, how do we justify using a pick on him when the only way he clears top 25 is playing in 80, 81, or 82 basketball games? That's kind of the one way he gets there is intense durability. And it could happen. He didn't have a lot of nagging injuries last year. It was just one big one that knocked him out for, what was it, six four to seven weeks. I'm in that neck of the woods. I don't remember the exact number on it. He ended up playing 51 out of their 72 ball games, So it missed like five, six weeks. Does that happen again? I don't know. Could he play 81 ball games? Yeah, he could. It's a possibility. And what are these? some of the other players that are still available at 25? Is there anybody in there that you're like, oh yeah, well this is an obvious one. Yeah, there are a couple in the next five to 10 names that I don't think are really all that debatable as guys that should go in front of LaMelo Ball. But then you get to guys where it's like, well, I could kind of go either way. So there is actually a somewhat cogent argument for LaMelo in that 25 range. But the big reasons he's going there, number one, points leagues, A category leagues, that's going to bump him up the board. And so a nine cat, that hitting that upper echelon where he's going to be in 8-cat and points-cats leagues. There's just sort of no... There isn't much doubt there. Um, it's harder. It's harder in nine-category formats. And then again, the other thing is, can we really put our money on the durability side of things? Is is that... Can we say for certain he's going to get to 78 ballgames this year? And you can't. You can't. So you, you kind of have to... And it's really hard, because I think we all want LaMelo... But that's why he's where he is right now, and that pushes guys down the board, who we'll talk about tomorrow, that are just simply safer, because much like with the first round, and this is, I know, the first pick of your third round, LaMelo's not going to be a first rounder on a per-game basis. He's just not quite there yet. He may, at some point in his career, if the percentages all kind of come together, get to that, that point, but it's not there yet. The only way a third-round pick wins you your league is if your third-rounder is a top-five fantasy player. And we've done that a couple times with guys like Chris Paul. Vooch has been in that that neck of the woods last year. Those guys are are dudes that elevate your team up into the topmost chunk. So if your pick at 25 really hits, it's a pretty big win for you, not so much in the way like in the first round. You don't need to take a swing. You just need to not screw up your team. But there are just guys right here that... You know, early third round picks, you have guys that are like guaranteed top 25s, and you got to take those because the difference between taking someone there that falls down to the 50 55 range versus maybe moves up to like 12, it's just not worth it when you can just say, you know what, I'm going to take a guy that I feel really damn confident is going to sit at 20 at the end of the year, barring a catastrophe. The other piece of good news, at least on the LaMelo side, is that his floor is high enough now because of all the incredible things he can do, where even if this one doesn't pan out brilliantly, you're probably still looking at someone inside the top 50. That's kind of a worst-case scenario. So he's a pretty good ceiling, very high-floor player, which doesn't make him a bad draft pick. It just makes him one that's a little bit too value-tapped for me at this point. And that's my uh lamello rundown tomorrow we'll start with pick number 26 or pre-ranked number 26 uh see how far we get my guess is we'll finish this up on either wednesday or thursday and then pivot and look at how that compares to yahoo's adp information and then mock drafts again hit me up if you want to be a uh, part of the hoop ball family i didn't even tell you about my bookie we'll save that for tomorrow uh follow at dan Vespers at hoop ball fantasy on twitter and please subscribe and leave a five-star review also, please have a lovely Monday. We'll get uh, back at you tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a HoopBall presentation.